Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul. The shrink who expands your life. My guest today is a good friend of mine. She is a mental strength expert and a coach on mindset and all things positive. This is Shelly Corey. Say hello, Shelly. Hello, hello. It's fun to be here. I'm so glad you're here today. Me too. We've had an opportunity to do some work together. Yes. And as you have developed your coaching programs around mindset mm-hmm. and, and really getting out of your own way, because I think that's what you help people yeah, do, absolutely. right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is why you and I clicked, and you're now licensed to teach the model that I have Which been I teaching love, for years love, love. Yes. about positivity and how yep. happiness is a choice. So we've got, we've got a little bit of history together, don't we? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Shelly, you just finished writing a book. It's called Master Your Mindset. I love that. <laughs> Me too, obviously. That's been quite a project for you. It has. It's been a lot of years putting the information together and then uh, the last year just really honing in on yeah. what it is that I've learned and what really makes a difference for people. So walk us through the story <laughs> because you're coming from some really amazing experiences and and uh, things that you've encountered in your own life that have put you in place now to coach and and lead and guide others to get out of their own way too. So can you yeah. tell us a little bit about the story? Just give yeah. us the background. Well, I kind of had my own David and Goliath story in second grade where mm. I was the bottom, not quite the bottom of the totem pole, but pretty close. But the kids just below me um, didn't like me. And all the kids in second grade would make fun of me and tease me because I was just awesome. I had really great hair that was triangle and I had, I talked with a lisp and I still sucked my thumb and mm. I was just really awesome. And uh, one day, the kids kind of on the bottom of the totem pole that got made fun of more than me came and said, Hey, Shelly, we hate you so much. We're going to beat you up on the playground. And so I did what any smart second grader did. I found someone in the class that would stick up for me, and we went out and met them on the playground. Yeah, let's fight. <laughs> let's try this, right? Oh, this is before yeah. rad kids that you know, my kids have graduated there's, from. There's better options, <laughs> There by is the way. now, yeah. If you're listening and just wondering. There's better options. There's better options. <laughs> Don't do what I did. Okay. But I, I remember meeting them on the playground, and, um, and while my cousin, who was the kid who stuck up for me, was dealing with one of the boys, then the other boy punched me in the nose, started oh. bleeding all over my white Sunday shoes that I'd promised I wouldn't wear to school, and so then I was thinking my mom was going to kill me <laughs> because yeah. I'd snuck out of the house with these shoes on. But from there, um, I started kind of this negative thought pattern of, geez, if, if those guys hate me enough that they beat me up over, over who I am, then maybe all the things other, all the other kids are saying might be true. And so from second grade on, I started this really negative thought pattern um, where I listened to what everybody said to me. I internalized it. I mm. believed it. 
and really struggled within myself. And when I was finally a senior in high school, I recognized how serious this problem really was. But I was really good at faking it because I was a really social person. I was really involved in school and athletics and Mm -hmm. choir and band and all the different things. So Mm -hmm. I looked like I was okay. But inside, I really was just dying. And by the time I was a senior in high school, I was at that point where... To me, it was this really dark hole, and mm-hmm. and I had a pivotal moment where someone said to me, who are you fighting anyway? Like, why are you so angry about this, and who do you think you're fighting? Because I had finally just said, I just can't do this anymore. I give up, and wow. realized that night after telling him all the different things I'd been made fun of for so many years and all the mm-hmm. things that were wrong with me, he just said, that's not who you're fighting. You're fighting Satan, and you're letting him win because he knows he can't tempt you with some of the other things He's going to get in your head and it's, it's working. Oh, and that was a major turning point for me. Cause that just made me mad. <laughs> I was so angry that I was playing on uh. his team. So I started without realizing it started doing some mental training for myself without knowing that's what I was doing. And I started putting little cards all yeah. around the room, um, that said, don't let him win. And when those negative thoughts would come, I would recognize where they were coming from and I would kind of fight back. So I made it through college okay. I was in an okay place, but I still struggled with a decent amount of depression and negative thinking. Mm. And by the time I got married and had kids, I just spiraled completely out of control to where I was having anxiety attacks four or five a day that weren't triggered by anything and could not get out of bed and couldn't see any positive thing in life weren't triggered by anything you could that I could identify that you knew yeah I mean I'd just be sitting on the couch watching TV with my kids and all of a sudden I'd want to throw up I'd just get butterflies all of a sudden and I'm like where did all that come from wow you know just panic attacks just panic attacks and that's not natural for me um, but that's what it had grown to Mm. and just didn't even want to leave the house just kind of that that really dark for me it just felt like a dark hole yeah it was really ugly so, wow. Yeah. That's kind of where I was at. Can I comment about that a little Absolutely. bit before we move forward? Because I know there's more to the story. Mm-hmm. But at one of the important realizations that you had early on mm-hmm. was that you're not the enemy. Right. But I was fighting myself. I thought I was the enemy. Which doesn't even make logical sense no. when you think about it. Yeah. Well, and I didn't feel like it was okay for me to be angry at everyone else who was mm-hmm. saying things about me. So then I was mad at myself that I was hurt. So I had right. like triple whammy on myself of yeah. like, one, you're not worthwhile. Two, you're letting people get under your skin. Three, you're not supposed to be angry at them. Like, you're such an awful person. You know, that's this, what I would tell myself. Yeah, this dialogue that's going on in your, mm-hmm. in your own mind. And I had no idea how to shut it off. But I remember um, having like speakers or different people come when I was in high school and mm-hmm. saying, oh, you just have to choose to be happy. You know, and for that hour when they would speak, I would be like, yeah, yeah, I'm great. Sounds so good. Then they'd walk out the door and I would sit there and be like, where'd the feeling go? Like, how do I get it back? Mm -hmm. You know, because no one ever told me how to change what was going on in my head. Right. They just told me I could and I had power to do that. Mm. So. Right. Yeah. So you've covered some ground since then. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I'm a totally different person now. I think I've. Not that I've changed. I mean, I have changed, but I think I've remembered who I was. I've gone back to who I was designed to be from the beginning. Well, you said earlier that it's not like you. It's not... It didn't feel natural. It... You don't... 
You don't identify with that. Mm-hmm. It's like you're craving something else. And yeah. I think this is true. The people that I've worked with in my practice, for example, are just people that I've known through my life, even myself. Mm-hmm. We feel out of sorts when mm-hmm. we get into negativity. Mm-hmm. When we get those dialogues going on in our mind and they don't even make logical sense. Think about it. I hate myself. Who is this I that hates me? Yeah. And who's this me that I hate? Yeah. Well, and I kind of had this um, this dissonance within me too because yeah. I actually liked who I was on the inside. Personally, I did. And mm-hmm. I thought, gosh, God's created me to be really talented. And, and I have all these gifts, but nobody else likes them. So I guess I won't ever show them to anybody. I guess I'll just hide mm-hmm. who I am. And so I kind of, for me, the analogy was here I am, this diamond... And I'm reflecting light and I'm putting out all this brilliance and everybody's mm-hmm. throwing mud at me. Like, we don't like that part of you. Cover it up. We don't like that part of you. Mm. Until I just was so caked in mud that I wasn't, I just felt that darkness, you know, because yeah. my light wasn't shining. And then, as often women do, I don't know, men maybe do the same thing. Then I started to try and cover it up with stuff to make the mud look good. <laughs> So like fancy shoes and nice clothes and a great haircut because the inside looks so crappy instead of working to get the mud off, which is when things finally started to change for me is when someone taught me how to get the mud off. To just reveal who you really are. That's scary. It's still scary every day. There are still parts of me that I'm like, I'm not ready to take the mud off that Mm. part yet. I don't don't know if people were really ready for that part of me. Well, there's this... this, flaw in our thinking. I I used to call it stinking thinking. Uh Uh, Where we assume that if people really knew us, if they really saw us for who we really are, Mm -hmm. that somehow they would not approve. They would reject us. They would run away screaming. And that's the deception. But isn't it the complete opposite is true, at least that I found. When I'm pretending to be something else, people can see through that. And they're like, eh, I don't know how I feel about you. Right. And when I show up authentic, it's not that everybody loves me, but there are some people who really connect with that and want to be around me because of I am who I am. Because you're more authentic yeah. and more genuine. And then I just hang out with those people and leave the rest of them alone. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? There's a book out that I've really enjoyed by Seth Godin. Mm -hmm. It's called Tribes. Mm -hmm. And some of you may be familiar with this book, but he talks about that, how there's a certain subgroup of people out there Mm -hmm. who are not not only hoping that you'll show up, they really need you to show up. In order to address some question or some need that they have in their own life. So this is your tribe. And you're the leader of your tribe. Who else is it going to be, right? Yeah. I think one of the things we have to to overcome in our own thinking, and I've had to do this myself, is to realize that not everybody's in my tribe. (laughs) Yep. And that's good news. It is. Because can you imagine a whole world of people who need us? (laughs) Oh my gosh. When you realize they're not in your tribe, the people who don't resonate with who you are and what your message is and the unique gifts that you bring to the table, they're not in your tribe. 
And you don't take that personally. No. They just don't need what you have. to please them. Yep. Yeah. I had a a really poignant moment when that hit me upside the head at like a two by four. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Sitting at it. And it was just recent because I've struggled with that. Mm -hmm. You know, where do I fit and who needs what I have to share? Because I felt so driven from God to put together what he's taught me Mm. because somebody needs it. And I don't know who that is. You know? Right. And so I was sitting at a family party one day and two different family members asking me, you know, how's the business going? One knew what the business was. Mm-hmm. Another one had no idea. And as I started, I was struggling with something at the time and I started, you know, sharing, well, I'm just still trying to figure out how this works and who I share with and who I'm supposed to get this out to because, yeah. and then I went into what I call my belief statement. What is it that I really believe deep in my core? Mm-hmm. And I started just saying, you know, I believe that each of us is unique and different for a reason and that our perspective and our experiences and those unique gifts and talents that we have all paired together is a gift that God gave us to bless other people with. Right. And I, you know, started going on this and, and one of the family members is sobbing her eyeballs out and the other one's just looking at me like, what? (laughs) And I I was like, I was offended at first. Like, she didn't get it. Don't you care? And and then I realized later, I'm like, she doesn't need what I have. That's not a thing she struggles with. Right. To know who she is. She's always known who she is. And she, She's always used her unique gifts to show up in the world. She didn't resonate with that because it wasn't her struggle. Yet right. my other friend, you know, my other family member sitting there just looked at me. She has no idea what I do. And she just said, I don't, I don't know what you do, mm-hmm. but can you come help me and the women in my life? Cause can they need what, what you have. you do for me? Yeah. And it right. was that, oh my gosh, quit trying to make it for everybody. Mm. And don't be offended by the people who don't need what you have. Cause it's not their struggle. And maybe someday it will be, right. but right now. I don't have to be offended by that. That is such a beautiful principle. A hard one to learn. But when you overcome that hump of wanting to please everyone or be everything to everyone, everyone, it suddenly puts you in a much more powerful position where you get to be really important to the people in your tribe. And that's good enough. Yep. Not only good enough, it's, I think, essential. Yep. Uh, to claiming our own happiness and helping other people to do that as well. Okay, we're going to, in the second half, Shelly, we're going to dig down to some of the principles you've identified. I know you share some of these in your book, but we'll we'll dig into that during our second half. Folks, this is Shelly Corey at Live On Purpose Radio. We'll be right back. all know that I'm excited about positive psychology. Finally, there is an app that is available to help you feed your happy. My friend Scott Wilhite developed this app. Scott, tell us about it. Well, uh, it's called Feed Your Happy. It's like seven habits meets the Fitbit where you get mental training on seven core skills to happiness and you get the tracking ability too so that you can chart. Anything you chart improves faster. If you like apps, if you like games, if you like happy, this is it. Feed Your Happy, it's available now in the App Store. Hey, Live On Purpose Radio listeners. The fact that you're listening to this show probably means that you're a fan of personal development. Your personal development library should include copies of both of my books, Pathological Positivity and the pocket-sized companion, Portable Positivity. There's a dot-com for both titles so you can share these books with others. 
I also have a special offer just for listeners of the show. Go to drpauljenkins.com forward slash L-O-P-R for Live On Purpose Radio. I'll send you signed copies of both for a special discounted rate. That's drpauljenkins.com forward slash L-O-P-R. Welcome back, everybody. Shelley, mm-hmm. you've written this book. Is that awesome or what? It's a, it was quite the feat, I guess. I don't know. I'm still... Well, from now on, you get to say that you're an author. I know. It's pretty exciting. It's pretty exciting. It is exciting. I've read your book. Mm-hmm. I actually wrote a foreword for it. I know. You. It's exciting. In this book, because I love what you're doing. What, what you're sharing in this book is what I feel is a very practical and psychologically sound approach to getting out of your own way so that you can show up and lead your tribe. Mm-hmm. Provide what it is that you uniquely can, can provide to this world. And I'm saying, I, you and I are talking here today on the mic, but we're talking about everyone who's listening too. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like what you said before the break, that everyone has this package, this unique ability to impact the world in some specific way, given what they've been blessed with. Mm-hmm. And, and that's one of the themes of your book. But you say something in here about confidence that I think is probably an important thing for our listeners to understand. Now, there's some misconceptions about confidence, too. Mm-hmm. Where do you want to take us with that? Oh, well, I think I, I often ask um, people in my seminars and, and my clients, you know, what do you consider confidence? Mm. And a lot of the misconceptions is, well, if you can get up in front of people and you can hold your own or you can, mm. you know, be a performer or you can have a sales conversation with people, you mm-hmm. know, without feeling nervous. And I think, you know, I think that's a byproduct of confidence. But mm. for me, at least, my natural personality is to be in front of people and in to, to enjoy and, and really do well on the stage or in the limelight. Right. And I did that all growing up. But inside, I was not confident. Mm. And so I, I thought, but isn't that what confidence is? And that's the myth That's the myth or the misconception is that confidence has to do with our ability to show up outwardly to other people. Right. But for me, that confidence, that true confidence comes from knowing who I am inside mm-hmm. and not needing anybody else's approval. Yeah. And when I was showing up on the stage, you know, performing or different things, I still was hoping for everyone's outside approval. Or I call it looking side to side for validation Mm -hmm. instead of upward looking for validation from God and within that I was okay with who I was, Mm -hmm. that I could walk into a room and not think, Oh my gosh, I hope they like me, but I could walk into a room and say, I'm going to show up true to who I am. Mm -hmm. And if they don't like me, I'll be okay. And that's a big Mm -hmm. difference between, you know, what the world considers confidence or what I at least consider confidence it's, what it really it's really is. becoming more internal. Well, it always has been. It's just the world hasn't taught it that way. Yeah, that, that our goal is to have that come from within mm-hmm. rather than relying on something outside of us to give us mm-hmm. that sense that we're okay or that we're, mm-hmm. uh, we can be approved in whatever it is that we're doing. Yep. Well, that then it it's always reliant inside. on someone else. So then yeah. your happiness, at least for me, my my happiness comes from being confident in who I am, being mm-hmm. happy with who I am. 
And if I'm always, at least my experience till just a few years ago, was that I was constantly waiting for someone else to tell me it was okay for me to be happy because they liked me or they were pleased with my results or I was pretty enough or I was, Mm. you know, talented enough, whatever it was, Mm -hmm. or that I wrote a book, you know, somehow that now makes me worthy Mm -hmm. of people's praise and attention. Well, that's just bogus. You know, it's so hard to stay on top of that. Mm-hmm. It is because it gets into that same trap that we talked about earlier. If you're trying to please everyone, you're yep. probably pleasing no one. Yep. And especially yourself. Yeah. I, I like the way Wayne Dyer put this. He said that you become independent of the good opinion of others. It's mm-hmm. a little bit of a weird way to say it, but Ooh, I love that independent of the good opinion of others. In other words, what it is that you're doing is driven by internal standards Mm -hmm. that don't depend on whether someone else approves of it or not. Well, and if all you're waiting for is other people's approval, if you're living off of their compliments, you'll Mm -hmm. die from their criticism. Oh, yeah. So do you want your fate in someone else's hands? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to... I spent too much time giving up my agency that way, and I'm not okay with that anymore. Right. So I had to get to a point um, where I can be a confident person who is aware of other people's accomplishments and their gifts and their beauty Mm -hmm. without comparing it to my own. And that's where you kind of draw the line in the sand. That most of us still, even though we consider ourselves confident, are comparing ourselves to someone else. Hard not to do that. It is. In fact, this model that you and I both teach... Mm -hmm. It has these two components, evaluation and creation. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe that we can't turn them off. No, I've tried. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, so like the evaluation, you're mm-hmm. constantly judging. Mm-hmm. But what you're saying is, let's be really careful about what standards we pick mm-hmm. against which we will compare ourselves. Yep. Well, I'm like, so I've coached high school athletics for 16 years. Mm. And one of the things is my kids step off the track. I will look them in the eye and I'll say, did you give me your very best? Mm -hmm. Regardless of what the time was, where they placed, whatever it was, I want their very best. And I can't compare that to someone else on the team or the people they were running against. I just want their very best. And that's how I have to show up. And if I've really given my very best, that's the best Mm -hmm. I got. So I can't compare it to anybody else. And I have to be happy with what I had to give. And if I didn't, I mean, I'll look my mm. athletes in the eye and I'll say, if you didn't give me the best you had today, because some days are better than others, yeah. then what are you going to do to change it? What are you going to do to make it so next time you can give me everything you've got? Right. And, and that's a difference. You know, we're not running for time or running to beat somebody. I'm running to give the very best I have. Mm-hmm. And we often don't, if we spend too much time comparing ourselves against other people, we don't ever push ourselves to what we're, we're actually capable of. Right. Because I'm only, I call it playing not to lose Mm. instead of playing to win. Playing to win means I'm going to give the best I got no matter what. And if I lose, I lose, but I still gave everything I got. But if I'm just playing hard enough not to lose, I have no idea what I'm capable of. I'm just playing enough to beat the opponent. Or just not to be defeated. Yep, just not to lose. There's a whole different energy. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it all comes from that choice of, of your own purpose yeah. in the game. So where would you direct people who are thinking, some of our listeners, you might be in this position, thinking, 
okay, I know I'm getting in my own way here. Mm-hmm. What do I do? What's next? Where would you coach someone to start if they're feeling a little stuck? Well, I think the first two steps of any change, because you have to create some change, yeah. is deciding that you want to change, which if they're looking for answers, they've made that decision. I'm not okay with my reality anymore. What do I want instead? Mm. And so deciding that I'm willing to do what it takes to create a new reality, to make a change. And then start being aware of what things are driving that negative thought pattern or that negative behavior so that I know what to start changing. I was just, I had a question as Mm -hmm. as you said that. As you've worked with people and experienced their progression through this process, is it important to know all of the hows when you get started or just to get clear about the why? Oh, just the why. Do you kind of see what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because as you launch into this, you may not have any idea how yep. you're going to pull all of this off. But what you're saying is decide to change. Be clear about Yes, I will engage in whatever mm-hmm. endeavor is necessary to create a change. I don't even know how I'm going to do that. But yeah. making the decision first. Yeah. Am I on track there? Absolutely. And the cool thing about your brain is that once you give it a clear goal, mm-hmm. I'm going to change this. This is what I want my reality to be. It will mm-hmm. start helping you find the answers. You don't right. have to have the answers I- once I you've made that. a decision. So one of the tools that I like to use, we call it a dream guide. You can get it on our website that uh, we take you through all the different areas of your life and we say, what's your reality right now? What do you want it to be? Mm -hmm. And what changes would you need to make? And then we start looking at what thought patterns we need to change so that those changes will be sustainable. So that they'll bring the result, the behavior that Mm -hmm. you're hoping for. So, yeah, you have to be aware. That's the first thing I do with anybody is we start helping them be aware of Times when they're either giving up their agency because they're not taking responsibility, when they get stuck in victim mode, when they're not choosing their response, Mm -hmm. some of those basic things. That's why it's one of the very first keys in the Master Your Mindset program is you got to learn to take responsibility. Once you can do that and be in control of your choices, then the rest of it is a heck of a lot easier because you've finally taken back that ability to do something. Well, you say easier. It's even possible because you've taken that step. And in, as long as you're stuck in that victim mode where nothing's your fault, yeah. you have no control to change anything. So the, it isn't possible. The victim mode is all about blame. Yep. And as long as I'm blaming someone or something else for where I am... Nothing will ever change. Well, and I'm perpetually waiting for that thing or person to change for me Yep. so that my life will be okay. You know what? Yeah. I did child custody evaluations for 13 years. Mm-hmm. These are bitter, angry, divorcing people who can't figure out how to share their kids. Guess who they're blaming? Each other. For all their misery. Yeah. Each other. How soon is the ex going to make everything okay? Yeah. See, that's the trap. As opposed to taking that personal responsibility, and it bites a little at first oh, yeah. to realize. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm driving this thing, huh? Well, and sometimes it's become a habit. Yeah. Because we gain a lot of gratification. It's, it's like we wear victimhood as a badge of honor. You know, mm-hmm. I'm the victim here. Look at all I've suffered. I want to be noticed for my sacrifice and my suffering. Yeah. And we gain a lot of attention and gratification mm-hmm. from that. And that's fine if you want to stay there. But it will never move you forward. It will never get you where you want to go. Well, you say it's fine, but it's sure miserable. It is miserable. You'll but stay you stuck. You know what? 
Sometimes, as human beings, we prefer the security of misery. I know. Because at least we can predict that. Yep. And we get a little squirrely when, when we start to think, wait a minute, maybe this could be different. Well, and that's why the first step is to understand why you want to change. Because if you, don't have a, yep, if you don't have a strong motivation underneath there, and that's one of the mm-hmm. things that I do very first with my clients, is we get down to that core why. You have to peel the layers off. Yeah. Those surface motivations of, well, I want to be you know, happier, or I want this or that and the other. Until you can get down to that true motivation that you're reminding yourself of daily when things get tough. And when you made a bad choice and you have to own up to it, mm-hmm. and it just be easier to blame someone else. And then you remember why you're doing this. Oh, if I don't do this, my kids aren't going to make it. Mm. If I don't do this, I'm going to lose my family. If I don't make a change, I'm going to end up in a mental hospital or whatever it mm-hmm. is. Like, and, and when you can get down to that, that core motivation, oh, things start driving. And it's usually a prosper or perish kind of a dichotomy. Mm-hmm. It, it really does become that important at some level. Yep. Either I change this or I die on the vine. I, yep. I just cease to exist. And some people think that looks more attractive. Yep. Uh, what I love about your program, Shelley, is that you're creating hope. You're, you're giving people an opportunity to look at this and say, hey, maybe there is something, very practically speaking, that I can do. Mm-hmm. Once I make that decision to change, now what? And you've got answers to that, to the now what? Let's make sure people have a way to connect with you. You mentioned a website. Where can mm-hmm. they go? So the website is jimmyandshelly.com. Jimmy and, and Jimmy is your... It's my husband. Husband. We work I know together. him very well also. <laughs> yep. Jimmyandshelly.com. Dot com. Mm-hmm. Spelled out A-N-D. Yep. J-I-M-M-Y and S-H-E-L-L-Y. Dot com. Jimmyandshelly.com. Yep. Awesome. The book, Master Your Mindset, Nine Keys to Gaining Control Over the Mess in Your Head. (laughs) Master Your Mindset. That's available on your website as well. Mm -hmm. And people can connect to you that way. Or if they want you to come and speak to their group or coach their team, you're there. Absolutely. That's what you're doing. Yep. Shelly, thank you so much for your contributions today. My pleasure. And for the good that you're doing in the world, it's making a difference. Thank you. What is that final thought you want to leave our listeners with before we end? I just think, just like you were saying, my my biggest driver Mm -hmm. is that for a long time I didn't have hope. Yeah. And people need to know that there's a solution. I mean, I see especially women that I work with a lot where they they just don't feel hope. They they feel like there's nothing that's ever going to make it better. Right. And they don't realize that all along they've had this power inside them mm-hmm. that really can change things and that they have the ability to create a life that they enjoy, that they want to live. And so you need to know that's possible. You need to know yes. that it can happen. Speaking from experience. Shelly, thank you for joining us today on the Bumper Radio. It's time, everyone, to go out and live on purpose. Amen.